Welcome to Enriched Menopause, where perimenopausal and menopausal women can learn what's going on with their bodies and how to thrive during this stage and beyond. You are not crazy and you are not alone. I'm Dr. Jessica Rich. Let's do this together. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Enriched Menopause. Today, we're going to talk all about the vagina. Well, not just the vagina, but the vagina and her neighbors, the vulva, the urethra, the bladder, all of those things combined. So to start off, I want to ask you a few questions. Has sex started to get a little bit uncomfortable for you? Do you feel like even if you're aroused and producing lubrication that still things feel a little bit dry or uncomfortable? It might take you a little bit longer to get going or you may need a little extra lubricant. Do you wake up two to three times per night to pee or do you find yourself constantly running to the bathroom? Do you maybe even lose a little urine on your way to the bathroom or when you cough or sneeze or laugh? Did you finally feel like you've shaken off the UTIs that you were getting in your 20s only to find that they're kind of back with a vengeance and more frequent than ever? These can all be signs of what we call genitourinary syndrome of menopause, which is a big long-term that basically means that as you get into perimenopause and then postmenopause, there's less and less estrogen going to the tissues of the vagina and the vulva and the urethra and the bladder. And that can have a lot of consequences. We used to call this vaginal atrophy, which is another terrible name that means the same thing. But really, the new name of genitourinary syndrome of menopause just is meant to incorporate the fact that not only does this affect the vagina, but also the urethra and the bladder and those functions as well. Basically, our vaginas and the surrounding tissue are not the same in our 30s as they were in the 20s and not the same in our 40s as they were in our 30s. And then they kind of continue to change as we age and we go through menopause and have fluctuations in our hormones. Unlike some of the other symptoms of menopause, things like the hot flushes and the mood changes that tend to get better as you get through that transition of menopause, the changes that happen around the vagina and around the bladder tend to get worse as we get older and further into menopause and as we have less and less estrogen going to that tissue. Basically, the things that we can feel are dryness and irritation because estrogen is really important in both the moisture and the elasticity of the tissues. It's important in the thickness and the pH. So a lot of times people will start to feel it as vaginal dryness. Most often people think about this as being during sex, but it can be other times as well, whether that's exercising, especially if you're like on a bike or even just walking, you can start to feel discomfort. They can feel like irritation, sometimes even feel like like itching, um, sometimes a burning sensation as well. The bladder symptoms are pretty common too, and most people don't think about the estrogen connection here. But this is that frequency and urgency where you're just running to the bathroom constantly and you can't wait once you feel that urge to go. It's also that getting up at night a lot to pee, even if you haven't been drinking a lot overnight, that waking in the night to go to the bathroom. And it can increase your leakage of urine. So that's that leakage with 
with the frequency and urgency when you're running to the bathroom or leakage with movement, whether that's from exercise or coughing and sneezing. The lack of estrogen can make you more prone to infections as well, and that's both urinary tract infections or vaginal infections. So those UTIs that you were getting when you were really sexually active in your 20s may come back in your 40s or 50s or 60s, even if you're not having sex as frequently as you were back then. The lack of estrogen can also sometimes make you feel like you have an infection even when you don't. So when you have that UTI, you're mostly feeling that frequency and urgency and burning. Well, all of those can happen from the lack of estrogen as well. This is a natural process that every woman will go through at some point in their lives. Some women don't feel it until much later into their 60s or even 70s, but for many women it may start as early as your mid-30s to mid-40s, and it can be really bothersome. The typical treatments that we do for hormone replacement therapy that help with a lot of the hot flushes and other systemic symptoms can be helpful for the lack of estrogen in the vagina, but they really aren't the best way to treat that area. For one, it would take pretty high doses of systemic estrogen to really make a difference in the tissues around the vagina and the bladder, and that's because the doses of estrogen that we give in hormone replacement therapy are much lower than what our bodies used to be producing naturally. So it's better to really focus the treatment on those areas around the vagina and vulva and bladder specifically. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, well, that sounds really miserable and it's something that's only going to get worse with time. Why are you telling me about this? And as usual, don't worry. I'm not going to give you a problem without talking with you about solutions. And there are lots of different solutions out there. The first thing, of course, we want to think about is adding back in estrogen. And I know I just told you that hormone replacement therapy, if you're taking that systemically, oftentimes isn't enough for the vagina itself. And that's true. But adding back estrogen to the tissues around the vagina in and of itself can be helpful. And this is also quite different than taking systemic hormone replacement therapy. As we talked before about some of the risks and benefits of systemic hormone replacement therapy, we talked about things like cardiovascular risk and breast cancer risk, which comes with the systemic therapy. Generally, we don't want you to be on systemic therapy for very long and not as you get older and further into menopause. But vaginal estrogen is quite different. Typically, we give vaginal estrogen usually in either a cream or a vaginal suppository or a ring that secretes a small amount of estrogen. Very little of this estrogen is really absorbed systemically into the body. Most of it is concentrated right around the tissues where we need it. We have good data that shows that it does not significantly change the estrogen concentrations in your bloodstream, so we don't see a lot of the same risks that we see with systemic hormone replacement therapy. We also have nice long studies showing that women who have had breast cancer in the past do not have a significant risk of recurrence of their breast cancer when they're using topical vaginal estrogens, unless they're on a certain type of medication or an anti-hormonal medication at the time, in which case definitely you want to talk with your oncologist if that's happening. But in general, doing a topical vaginal estrogen is not going to significantly 
significantly increase your risk of breast cancer or cardiovascular disease, and it can be really helpful in treating your symptoms. So typically when we're talking about vaginal estrogens, we're talking about estradiol. This is the type of estrogen that's most bioavailable in your body. It's the one that you have the most estrogen receptors for. It's very similar to what your body produced. A lot of women do like to use a compounded estriol. I typically don't recommend that, and it's really just that there are not as many receptors in your cells for the estriol as there are for the estradiol. So it's not going to be as effective. And again, the estradiol is very low risk. So if you're going to use estrogens, I recommend the estradiol. Now, typically, these types of treatments only need to be used about twice a week. Occasionally, people will use them three times a week, but usually twice a week is enough. So you just pick a couple of days a week, whether that's Monday, Thursday, or Sunday, Wednesday, whatever works for you. And I typically recommend inserting the cream or suppository at bedtime. That way, gravity is your friend. It's going to help everything to stay in and to be absorbed. And I also don't recommend using it right before sex. And that's for two reasons. One is that it's just going to come out and then you're not really going to get the benefits of the estrogen. And the other is your partner probably doesn't want the excess estrogen. Not that it's going to do anything harmful, but just something they may want to avoid. Vaginal estradiol is a prescription medication, and this is typically something that you would get from your gynecologist, but also could get it from your primary care doctor, or in some cases, your urologist. And this is not something that you're just going to, you know, take for a few weeks or a few months until you feel better. This is something you're going to take indefinitely. As we talked about in the beginning of the episode, these changes are things that only are going to get worse with time if you don't treat them. So I tell people they're going to stay on this forever or until they choose a different treatment modality. And I have patients on this up to 102. Now, we talked about how vaginal estrogen is very safe and there are very few risks associated with this. But for some women, the idea of using any estrogens at all just is a little too scary. So there are other options out there. One place to start that's something you can just get over the counter without a prescription is to use different vaginal moisturizers. Now, these moisturizers you're going to want to use in sort of the similar way, two to three times a week and, and typically at bedtime so that gravity gives you a hand there. And these can be things like coconut oil or vitamin E. You can use just regular coconut oil that you would get from the grocery store. You can just sort of scoop it out and insert it into the vagina. The same with the vitamin E oil capsules. You would just have to kind of open up that capsule on the end so that you use the vitamin E. I find it's best to use a suppository that has the coconut oil and vitamin E in it together. It just makes things a little bit easier and a little bit less messy. Um, Typically, I I recommend one called Key E, K-E-Y-E. Oftentimes you can just order it on Amazon or wherever you like to, to shop and, and you just insert that suppository into the vagina two to three times per week at bedtime. Another suppository that I think works really well for a lot of women and I recommend to a lot of my patients and family members is one called Reverie. That's R-E-V-E-R-E-E. It's made from a molecule called hyaluronic acid, which is basically a molecule that holds water and you would use it in the same way two to three times a week at bedtime in the vagina and it can make a big difference. Now if you don't like suppositories there are some different gels you can use particularly one called Replens that's easily available over the counter at most pharmacies or ordered online and there's another one called Hylogen that is that same hyaluronic acid molecule 
as well. All of these different moisturizers work really well for a lot of women. It's really just a matter of trying the different types and seeing what's going to be a good fit for you and what you like to use. Now, if the -the over-the-counter moisturizers aren't enough and you don't want to use estrogens or they haven't worked well for you, there's another type of suppository called Intrarosa. Now, this is one that's sort of advertised as not being estrogen, but I just want to make this clear. It is still a hormonal product. So basically, what this product is, is a molecule called Prastone, which is a synthetic DHEA type of hormone. Basically, what that is, is it's a precursor hormone that can convert to estrogen and testosterone in the body and in the vagina. So I just want to make it clear, if you're trying to avoid hormones, this is not the right product for you. But for a lot of women, this can work really well. It's something that for some women works better than estrogens, although for others, the estrogens may be better. So it's again, finding what's going to be best for you. But if you've tried estrogens and they're not working and you want to try something different, then Intrarosa might be the right product for you. Now, I also have a lot of women that come to me and say, well, it's just too hard to keep up with putting something in the vagina two to three times per week, whether it's a moisturizer or an estrogen or the intrarosa is actually every night, or maybe they just have too much irritation putting something in the vagina, in which case we look at a couple of other options. The first option is an oral medication called Osfina. This medication is what we call a selective estrogen reuptake modulator, which is another big long term that basically means that it acts like an estrogen in places that we want it to, like around the vagina and the urethra and the bladder, but it does not give estrogenic properties in places that we don't want it to, like in the uterus and the breast. So this is a good option for a lot of women who would rather take an oral medication, and this can be done daily and can make a big difference in those symptoms that come from genitourinary syndrome of menopause. Although we do think that this is safer in the breast tissue, it's not recommended for those who have had breast cancer, so make sure you talk to your doctor about whether it would be a good option for you. Now, the last thing that I recommend if you really don't want to be taking something on a regular basis, but you're suffering from symptoms or you want something that's more convenient, is the newer vaginal laser treatments. Now, I say newer, but they've actually been around for a while now, over a decade in Europe and Asia, and for probably about eight years, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, here in the U.S. So these are laser treatments. You may have heard of things called the Bella V or the Mona Lisa or the Fem touch or the Femilift or there's several of them out on the market now. These all work in a similar way. There's a couple of different types of lasers, whether they're a CO2 laser or an Erbium YAG laser. Basically what they're doing is sort of resurfacing the tissues of the vagina and vulva and around the urethra. So it's similar to what a lot of people use on the face to resurface the face for cosmetic reasons or to revise scar tissue. Basically what's happening is that the laser is making tiny little punctures, little microscopic damage down to the basement membrane of the tissue. What this does is it causes your body to recruit 
collagen and growth factors and basically generate a healing response in the tissue itself. It's a nice option because typically it requires about three to four treatments initially that are about a month apart or so, give or take, depending on which laser you're using. And then after that, most women just need a maintenance treatment about once per year. Now, everybody's a little bit different with this as well. I do have some women who come as often as every six months, and then I have some that can go longer than a year before they need a maintenance treatment. So as with everything, it's about finding what works for you. Now, this is a nice option. It is not covered by insurance, so it's a little bit more expensive of an option. It's a quick procedure. There is discomfort with the procedure, but it's typically fast, less than 10 minutes, and most people tolerate it in the office very well. So it's a great option too. Now, all of the options we've talked about so far are options that are going to treat that underlying problem, that underlying lack of estrogen in the tissue. And these are all things that should be done regularly. However, you still may need a little bit of something else when you're having sex or having intimate contact. And generally for this, I recommend different lubricants. A lubricant is different than a moisturizer. It's really going to help at the time of the act, not to kind of prepare the tissue before, which is what we've been doing with the other treatment. Now, when you were in your 20s, you may have been able to use, well, nothing at all, or um, a water-based lubricant like KY Jelly or something like that. But those tend to dry up much faster when you get into perimenopause and menopause. So I recommend something a little different at those times. Typically, you can use things like coconut oil, just regular coconut oil that you would get from the grocery store. You can put it in your vagina, on your vulva, on your partner, as much of it as you want. I also recommend a silicone-based lubricant which tends to last a little bit longer than the water-based lubricants. There are several silicone-based lubricants out there. I think some of the easiest ones to find, Astroglide makes a couple of products, one called Astroglide X and one called Astroglide Diamond, which can be good to find. Not the regular water-based Astroglide, but they're silicone-based products. And then there is another lubricant out there that is more water-based. It's called Slippery Stuff that also works very well. So in addition to your routine for maintaining the tissue, using lubricants during any sort of sexual activity, whether that's partnered or on your own, can be really helpful to stave off some of that irritation. Now, you may be saying, well, this all sounds well and good, but I can ignore my vagina. I don't really need that part of my health. I'm not interested in sex anyway. But I would recommend that you don't ignore it because even if you're not interested in sex, for one, using some of these options may help you to become more interested in sex again by bringing blood flow to the area and by taking away some of the discomfort that is making sex less appealing. But it's also going to affect your general health. It's also going to help prevent you from getting those urinary tract infections, which can really be a big problem in the end. So instead, I want you to think, just imagine yourself no longer having that discomfort, that itching, that irritation, no longer having to run to the bathroom or interrupt your sleep, getting up to pee so many times at night, no longer having to wear a pad or a liner because you're leaking urine throughout the day. This is the kind of difference that treating that genitourinary syndrome of menopause can make. So give it a try. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and share with someone in your life who may benefit from this too. Remember that while I am a doctor, this podcast does not constitute medical advice and is for informational purposes only. Talk with your doctor about what may apply to you and your health. We'll see you on the next episode of Enriched Menopause.